Welcome to season three of Sacred Teachings. This season we are talking about dismantling racism. The murder of George Floyd in the United States has become a catalyst for change. Black Lives Matter is a rallying cry as people become aware every single day of the atrocities committed against black people, indigenous people, and other people of color. Racism, sad to say, is alive and well in Canada. Sego, this episode is part two of Haudenosaunee La. Erin Wate continues her conversation with Dr. Beverly Jacobs. Last week, Beverly and Erin left off talking about the protest at Landback Lane, and they will now pick up where they left off. Jacobs. So last week we talked about Landback Lane Camp and how an unjust system based on colonial laws is still foundational to land claim disputes in Canada. Recently, Premier Doug Ford criticized the protesters, saying that the settler people who bought the properties being developed are fearful that the land will be taken away from them. Is there some irony in that statement? Well, first, actually, I agree with Doug Ford in the sense that I feel for those people who did invest in that land, in their homes. But the difficulty is that they weren't told the truth, right? Yes, I feel for them. Just like I feel for my own people who have been forced out of their own lands and territories, like whole cities and towns that have been plunked in our lands and territories, right? It's the same thing. Um, the only thing is that they have this rule of law that supports them, right? They have this colonial rule of law that says, um, that gives them the authority to, for judges to enforce injunctions, for the OPP to enforce injunctions. Um, and it is, um, colonial law is based on racist law. Um, the doctrine of discovery, for example, is racist. The whole intention of the doctrine of discovery was to erase us as indigenous people. And property law, um, law that's used to uh, give settlers or whoever wants to buy property um, has this, this underlying racist um, concept that supports it. Um, and that's where it stems from. So that's that needs to be taught, that needs to be educated. And I believe racism, um, racism is, is just ignorance. So I think that if people become educated, um, 
I'm not afraid of racism. I'm not afraid of racists. And in fact, I would go and talk to them and say, what do you know about me? And in fact, this happened a few times even in law school. So, so in that, and I don't know where it comes from. I, I figure it comes from um, my ancestors who have, have empowered me to have a voice. It took me a long time to have a voice, but I did regain my voice and the confidence to be able to say, this is the truth. And what you're saying is not the truth. You don't know me. You don't know who I am. You don't know who, where I come from. You don't know my relationship to my land and my territory. And are you willing to listen to me? Are you willing to learn the truth? You know, a lot of times it's, it's a struggle when people have been raised, again, generationally with racism. So if their parents are racist, they learn from them. If they're taught a certain thing and believe a certain thing, it's really difficult to get through. Because if they look at me and they hate me for just how I look, it's difficult to get past that. How do you get through it? How do you get past that? Well, it's, it's humanness, I think, um, that we're human beings and that we're living in this territory, in these lands and territories, in the same space as human beings. This is what our law tells us. Haudenosaunee law tells us as human beings, we aren't any different than any other living thing. And in fact, if we are to think that we're better than anything else or anybody else, the truth will come. And you'll find out that natural law is much more powerful than we are. So if you really want to uh, have this kind of attitude and belief system, then I'm sorry that it's, it's not going to work out for you. <laughs> um, and that we, we as human beings have, have a responsibility to, to the natural world. It's all the same, it's all connected, um, that we're not any different than anybody else. And, and so systemically, the whole, the whole colonial system is based on, on those concepts of what I think is really unhealthy relationships. Everything is in silos. Everything is, is there, there's no connection. So when we're talking about law, we're talking about healthiness, we're talking about um, education, it's all the same for us, you know, as, as Haudenosaunee people, so that when we're educating, it's also coming back to our spiritual responsibilities about our relationships with each other, our relationships to the natural world, and so there's whole there's two totally different ways of of world view, and that's what comes into conflict. 
And so that's where, um, and I always think about the two-row wampum belt. So our, our, our relationship with each other was based on three basic principles of trust, respect, and friendship. So if we are to have those relationships with each other and being a healthy, a healthy relationship, then we also have to know what that means as an individual party or as individuals. So if I have a healthy relationship with someone else, I have to know what respect is for me in order to have respect for someone else. And the same with trust. I have to trust myself in order to have trust with somebody else. If I'm going to be friends with someone, I have to know what, what being a friend of myself is first. So if, if that was the original intention of the two-row wampum belt, that relationship that we were to have with each other was based on those very basic principles. But if the parties on the other side didn't know and doesn't know what that means, then they need to know what it means <laughs> in order to continue to have that relationship. Because in the two-row, as indigenous people, we were we have been forced into this other into their ship, right? We've been forced, our laws have been forced into that ship. And the design of Canada, the design of colonial institutions are in that ship, right? And so so if if their that whole original relationship was disrespected and violated because we've been forced into that, into that process that has no idea of who we are as, as Indigenous people, as Haudenosaunee people. So if we're talking about dismantling racism, that it means that there has to be an understanding of, of the racism, of what they're doing. Being racist is also very violent so I have always said in my learning and my understanding about being a, a victim of violence is that you do become silenced, that you do become um, not silenced, but not even believing that you, you're smart or believing that you have confidence. And so once you start to understand that it's a violent relationship and that you are someone with a voice, that that's when things change. As a survivor of violence, when I decided, okay, that's not gonna happen to me anymore and I am going to have a voice and I'm gonna pretty well say what I need to say. It's the same thing as, as this bigger picture of this violent relationship that we as Indigenous people have been having, not only with racists, but with a racist system. And so if Canada is, is a violator and any other government, whether it's Ontario or municipal in a relationship, we've been living in this violent relationship. And so what's happening now is the victims of that being indigenous people are saying no more that's enough that's enough of that 
And so we're reclaiming, re-empowering, revitalizing, reclaiming our voice, reclaiming our laws. And we want that original relationship. We want that original relationship of the two row. Peace, trust, friendship, respect. It's pretty simple, I think. So it, I, don't, I don't think it's going to take much because I think I see a shift. I do see a shift happening. And that not only within our communities and the healing that's happening within our communities, but also our allies, that our allies are becoming educated and willing to support that empowerment. And so our trust levels, right? We part of also part of healing is learning how to trust again, because that original relationship was based on trust. It's like I'm saying about that abusive relationship. It's I needed to trust, I need to trust myself that I, I don't deserve to be a, a victim. Our people are coming to terms with that as well in the healing, but also the healing has to occur on the other side. So our allies also need to heal and they also need to heal. And I always say, well, they have a lot longer healing than we do. We only have 500 years of of healing to do. Our settlers, our allies have a lot longer healing because of where they come from, right? Because the violence occurred long before they arrived here in North America. So that's where the healing also I see happening is, is has to happen a lot longer that intergenerational so and like i said i i see it happening i mean just with me uh, for example and being trusted by my colleagues to be an associate dean of the institution and the different shifts that are happening within education it's not perfect and you know we're still working towards what that means but also within our own communities and what has to happen in order for us to heal and to return to our original teachings. The series is called Sacred Teachings. So we wanted to ask you what you draw on to give you the resiliency and strength and the passion that drives you and that allows you to continue in this work. You talked about it being really difficult for you to continue, but yet you have, and, and that's really inspiring. Um, the executive producer of this series, um, Ginny Doctor, talks about her strength as a Mohawk woman in her community and in, as a person who exists in society. Um, do you feel strength, a particular strength as a Mohawk woman? I'm pretty sure that that's what's helped me to survive as a, as a Mohawk woman, as a Haudenosaunee woman. Um, being raised, I would have to say, like being raised, attending ceremony or longhouse ceremonies, like that's all I, that's what I grew up with. I didn't know any, I didn't know anything else and I don't know anything else. I would have to 
uh, give credit, of course, to my parents, right, and my grand, my my paternal uh, family, um, because they were the ones who maintained our traditions. My my maternal side, my mother's mother went to residential school, so she was in she was in the mush hole. She was in the Mohawk Institute, and when she came out. She refused to have anything to do with being Mohawk. Um, <clears throat> and so that had a real impact on, on my maternal side of my family, except my mother who said uh, she was raised by her grandmother um, and said, you need to marry a traditional man. <laughs> um, and you need to um, maintain who you are. And I always remember my mother telling me that. And so they they did a really, they did a, the best that they could to maintain that. And my father was very strict. My father's family was very strict about um, our traditional laws and ceremonies. And, um, you know, I was raised, my, my grandmother was a clan mother, my grandfather, as a faith keeper in the longhouse, my uncle is a Confederacy chief, and now my my aunt and my uncle ha now have that role as clan mother and Confederacy chief, and that but that's on my again like I said on my paternal side, and because being Haudenosaunee is we're matriarchal society matrilineal, I didn't learn that from my mother's side, so that has been a direct impact of residential school and and the impact of, of Christianity on my grandmother and the fact that she refused to to do that and my father even used to say you know you weren't raised Mohawk and I would always say what are you talking about and it was because the influence of the church and the fact that you know most of my mother's side of the family married out so they never got to learn what I learned as a result of, of our own laws, right? And being able to practice my own law and attending ceremony, being raised by my father's side of the family to attend ceremony, um, to learn the political aspects, the great law, and having access to elders and knowledge holders just by relationships. I didn't. I didn't realize how much I was raised with until I went to law school. I didn't realize what I was being taught because you just do it, right? You just, you just live it. So I was just living it. I didn't realize how much I was living it <laughs> until learning how much colonial law tried to erase it. Uh, and that was a that was um, uh, a healing journey for me. Not only addressing the violence in my life, but also the colonial violence through law, and all of my through all of my education through law school, my masters, my PhD, and learning learning how to heal through that whole process. Coming out still alive and still strong, but stronger than ever. I feel because because of those teachings, because of 
because of the great law, because of participating in ceremony, being part of medicine societies, being knowledgeable about uh, who we are as a people. And again, I didn't learn that until I went to law school. And it, you know, even though I was raised in it, it, it wasn't as clear to me until even doing my master's in law when I highlighted and focused on the great law and understand even later, it wasn't until understanding the violence against our women and understanding uh, where that came from. So it, it's been a healing process and the healing means that I was able to return back to my, my traditional knowledge holders to being able to go back to them. That's what's helped me to survive is being able to talk to them and being able to say and ask them about anything that I, that I needed, anything that I was able to access about our teachings, about our knowledge was easily ac accessible for me. And I know that's not easy for a lot of indigenous people because some of some of that knowledge has been lost or living in urban centers and trying to find access to that knowledge i always say that i I've, I've been privileged in both worlds i've been privileged in my career to be able to get to the position where i'm at today but also privileged in in Haudenosaunee legal systems, laws, because I've been able to grow up in it and have access to it and respect it and respect the knowledge that I have been given and now to share. That's beautiful, thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. Nyawa to Beverly and Aaron for your contribution to our season about dismantling racism. Thank you to our listeners, too. We would love to hear from you. What do you think of our podcast? And if there are any questions you have for any of our speakers so far, you can email bdavies at national.anglicanca. That's B-D-A-V-I-E-S at national.anglican.ca. We will be back on Monday, September 14th with our fourth season of Sacred Teachings. The fourth season is called Stolen. You won't want to miss it. Oh, nah.